Welcome. Thank you for joining us here on the Construction Leaders Podcast presented by CMA, where each episode will provide interviews with diverse perspectives, as well as trends that are affecting the construction and project management industry and beyond. On behalf of CMA, I'm your host, Nick Soto, alongside my colleague, Carly Trout. Welcome to episode 10. With us today is Nick Newton, president of Newton Bonding and Assured Partners Agency, and Mark McCallum, the CEO of the National Association of Surety Bond Producers. Welcome to the podcast. Well, it's, it's great to be here. Thank you. Definitely. So those who have listened to our podcast previously know that I typically give a brief introduction on the topics on our guest. But with Mark here representing NASBP, I believe it's best to let him provide the introduction for the association. Mark, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, who NASBP is, and then we'll give Nick a chance to introduce himself. Hey, thanks, Nick. As you can tell, any SPP doesn't always roll off the tongue very easily, but we've been in association since 1942, actually formed during World War II. We are a national, actually even an international association of producer agencies. So those are insurance agencies that focus on surety bonding for companies that need surety bonds and are members of the companies and they employ licensed bond producers and You'll get to meet a live uh, bond producer, Nick Newton, just shortly. But we are going out there doing advocacy, education, promotion of surety bonding, which is so important to construction and other industries because it provides guarantees of performance. And we'll, we'll talk a lot about that in just a bit. My background, I'm actually an attorney and actually came in the association space, I guess it's been about 30 years and started off my career as a counsel for the American Institutes of Architects, uh, moved to the Associated General Contractors of America, and now am at NASBP. And part of my portfolio, my uh, background, has been a focus on construction, which uh, marries very well with guarantees of contracts. So you're relatively new to the industry, I take it, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Just well, I, appreciate, I appreciate that, Mark. Nick, Besides having a really awesome name, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what is Surety? Sure. Like you mentioned in the intro, I'm the this year's president of NESBP. Uh, all the leadership is is volunteer by our, our association members. And uh, I've been in the Surety business for 33 years. I spent the first seven years on the Surety company side, primarily in marketing and field underwriting. And then for the last 25, 26 years on the agency side, I formed Newton Bonding eight years ago, and it was about a year and a half ago that I sold to the Assured Partners system. So Mark, can you give us an overall definition of surety? And you did mention already how important it is to the construction industry. So could you elaborate on that a little bit more as well? Yeah, absolutely. So we wouldn't say that we're the most known industry, but we're critically important. Surety is essentially a three-party contract. It is a guarantee that is given by a surety company to regulated insurer. Uh, Think of uh, Liberty Mutual, Great American, Travelers, folks like that. And they work with principals. Typically, those are the owners of construction companies who are seeking surety credit because they want to perform public works contracts or private works that require surety bonds. And so they go and establish surety credit. The bond producer is a key player in working with that company uh, to establish that surety credit. And I'll let Nick go into how that occurs. And then once they qualify for surety credit, It's given in the form of performance and payment bonds, 
which then are provided to project owners, which we call the obligees. So the three parties to the contract are the surety construction business and the project owner who has the right to, if something happens, like if there's a default by that construction contractor, uh, then they have a right to make a claim on the bond and seek performance of the underlying obligation. Right. And Mark nails it on the head by starting off with the three-party agreement to differentiate between uh, surety and insurance. We're often confused with insurance because we're a niche of the insurance industry, but we're really a a credit instrument than we are an insurance policy. And uh, there's a lot that goes into a surety establishing credit for a contractor, what we call uh, starting off the three C's of bonding, where they look at the financial condition of the contractor, that would be the credit, uh, the capacity of the contractor, which is their experience in work scope and size of projects, and then character, which is, you know, looking at the historical background of a a contracting entity, are they able to finish their projects? And that's that's an important question to examine because, as we all know, construction is a very risky business and things very rarely go as planned. Uh, Contractors are constantly having to adjust And things can happen, which can put in grave jeopardy the completion of a project. You know, so sureties take a look at how contractors handle those type of situations. And that becomes the third key piece in evaluating how much surety credit a contractor will be extended. Yeah, and surety credit has evolved. It's greater than a century that corporate surety has been used in the procurement environment in North America, particularly in the U.S., um, there was something called the Heard Act uh, in the late 1880s, which was brought into uh, legislation and enacted as a safeguard for federal procurements. Uh, they were coming off the Civil War. Uh, there had been corruption and companies that didn't perform contracts, so they wanted guarantees. And the Heard Act supplied that. That eventually evolved into what is called the Miller Act, 1935. And that is a federal statute that requires performance and payment bonds to be provided by construction contractors performing federal work. And each state has their own corollary to that. Those are known as Little Miller Acts. So to the extent that a construction business wants to perform as a prime contractor on public work, the credit relationship is very key in them pursuing that kind of work. So now that we know why surety is so important for the construction industry, let's talk about cost a little bit. You know, how much does it cost to apply for a surety bond? Well, it, to apply, it doesn't cost anything. You know, I, I talked about the qualifying that the sureties do when they're establishing credit. And one of the things that they do at that time, in addition to establishing just how much bonding they're extend, is they do determine the bond rate at that point. And the rate applies to when they're awarded a contract and need to obtain the purchase of uh, the performance and payment bonds. Taking a half step back, when they're bidding on these projects, they typically have to provide a bid bond, which is going to guarantee that if awarded the contract, they will sign a contract for the amount that they bid and that the contractor will provide the required performance and payment bonds as part of the contract. There's no cost for bid bonds. So as far as the cost of performance bond goes, there's a number of things that uh, are taken into consideration. Every surety company has a grid of rates 
depending on the type of work that's being performed, as well as the financial qualifications and history and quality of financial preparation. So there's usually anywhere from 10 to 15 factors that go into whether someone's going to qualify for what I like to call a starter rate, you know, something that's given to uh, contractors new in, in surety and standard rate. And then you've got all kinds of preferred and deviated. And the, the rate continues to drop as uh, the relationship with the contractor and the surety grow, the net worth and the profitability and the working capital of the contractor grows. There's certain type of work that have a, a different rate structure as well. So there's really four or five different categories of just work. And then, of course, there's there could be 10 to 15 different uh, rates depending on your financial qualification. We generally tell startup contractors that they're probably going to pay two and a half to three percent. And that's usually for, say, the first hundred thousand or five hundred thousand of contract price. As they gain experience, they grow in their relationship with the surety, the financial reporting becomes more professional, utilization of a construction-oriented CPA, then they're going to start to see those rates drop. You know, if you're talking about a building contractor, say that's, uh, you know, doing three, four, five million dollar jobs, their rate's going to be under 1%. I want to go back to something you had said before we get too far past it down the cost strokes. I have more questions on cost, but let's go back to the insurance policy. So I think it's important to hit on this, and I'd like to hear a little bit more why somebody shouldn't just go buy an insurance policy instead of a bond. Well, a couple of things, and I want to go back. First of all, the rates are filed. So insurance and surety are regulated at the state level. So any of the rates that you are quoted or whatever, regulators have reviewed those rates. They're filed with the state. The other thing important to know is that the surety looks at the contract value, the contract amount uh, in terms of compiling rates, not the face amount of the bond, because they see the overall liability potentially of the contractor and then the surety as the overall amount of the contract, not necessarily the amount of the bond. So that's important to to understand as well. And you can't, I only deal with uh, surety bonds. I'm I'm not an insurance agent. I I mean, you have to be licensed in insurance to uh, be a bond producer, but uh, an insurance company is not willing to take on the risk of uh, providing a policy to guarantee completion of a, of a project and, and everything that goes into it. You know, the surety industry is an expert in, number one, pre-qualifying a contractor. Not everybody qualifies for surety credit, whereas pretty much everybody can buy an insurance policy, whether that be general liability, workers' compensation, uh, professional liability. So one of the things our industry does is we serve as a pre-qualifier. We're not going to back a contractor unless our expertise tells us that they're going to be able to perform. And of course, I mentioned real world earlier in those instances where something happens where a contractor cannot perform, then the surety does step in and ensures that the project is completed via the performance bond guarantee. And it also ensures that all workers and suppliers on the project are paid via the payment bond guarantee. Yeah, I think that's very important for the construction manager to know. Right. And Nick's also hitting on the underlying philosophy. So 
You know, when you have an insurance policy that's actually determined because it is anticipating some level of loss, not so with surety. Surety is underwritten under a different philosophy, and that is to avoid loss in the first instance. And that's why Nick was saying, look, surety is more like a credit instrument. You earn that surety credit by demonstrating your ability to perform, you know, going through and having your qualifications evaluated because you're not, you're supposed to be able to successfully perform that contract in the first place. That is a defining distinction between a surety bond and an insurance policy. Insurance is to pay out for an anticipated loss. Surety is to avoid the loss in the first instance. That makes a lot of sense. So let's talk about new business owners. Is it more difficult for them to get a surety bond because they may not be able to prove that performance that you were talking about? You know, like I mentioned at the beginning, I've been doing this for over 33 years. And at the beginning of my career, I was trained that a business had to be in existence for three to five years before you could obtain surety credit. And one of the things that was thrown out is the large proportion of businesses that fail within the first three to five years. That's old style underwriting. Real world says, especially now, and we've seen this change over the last two or three decades, when I talk to new contractors or uh, do presentations in front of groups with contractors trying to qualify for surety bonding, I tell them right now is the easiest time in my career for a contractor to obtain surety bond credit. I do a lot of business with startup businesses and there are programs out there. The surety industry has made a concerted effort to be able to create an opportunity for startup businesses to get some level of surety credit. You have to start small when there's zero experience whatsoever, at least as far as a business. We see a lot of project managers and supervisors leave employ and start their own business. So they have the experience of of managing projects at a certain size. Of course, they're playing with somebody else's bank account. And, you know, so we have to explain that, but the, the experience does play a part. Right now, there's both credit-based programs where sureties will approve limited approval based simply on the credit worthiness of the the individual credit worthiness of of the construction owner. And then the SBA has a bond guarantee program that allows uh, startup businesses or businesses new to, to surety to obtain approval from a surety company by providing a guarantee to the surety company for a percentage of that bond. And so it's a great tool that a a lot of our members use to get new startup businesses surety credit. It may be limited usually to half a million or under, but compared to 30 years ago when, you know, we weren't talking unless you'd been in business for three to five years, it's quite a change. Well, and that, that allows the business to get that track record going so they can eventually expand their surety credit in a, a deliberative process. But kind of stepping back, you know, it, it's so important for a business that is contemplating, let's say, doing public work and they need to establish surety credit to find the bond producer. And it, not just any insurance agent will do. It really needs to be somebody who is focused on the surety line of business who understands the surety markets, uh, who understands the different programs as Nick laid out, that there are different ways to achieve surety credit. 
uh, whether it's a credit-based program, a SPA, or a traditional program. And the way they're going to get access to that is through a knowledgeable on producer. We also have developed a number of resources out there for contractors to learn about the process that is involved in earning surety credit. And recently, we partnered with another group, the Surety and Fidelity Association of America, and we jointly put together an online resource. It's a contractor education and online and mentoring program, and that's available. You can access it through the NESPP website, but that's a module-based online learning platform that a small business construction owner could take at their leisure and really learn about uh, the different steps they need to take, uh, how they go about it, what's important, what they need to pay attention to, and then have a knowledgeable, surety professional or professionals like a bond producer and an underwriter give them further specific advice on what they need to do to achieve surety credit. Yeah, that sounds like a great resource. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsor, the Construction Manager Certification Institute. Today's ANSI-accredited Certified Construction Manager brings professionalism to the project and provides leadership by unifying architects, general contractors, engineers, and facility managers to successfully complete the project. The CCM is familiar with the latest techniques and technologies of construction, from prefabrication to building information modeling. He or she thoroughly understands sustainable design and construction, how projects are financed, and how risks can be minimized and effectively shared. The Certified Construction Manager is a communicator, a facilitator, a problem solver, a professional leader. Certified Construction Managers have the proven knowledge and experience to deliver all these values for every project. Make the CCM part of your strategy for success. For more information on the Certified Construction Manager, please visit cmcertification.org. So from the construction manager's perspective, what types of questions should they be thinking about in regard to surety? Sure. You know, I think there's probably two levels. If they are a um, CM at risk in a CM at risk arrangement, they may need their own surety credit because they are performing and they have uh, the overall responsibility to deliver the project, regardless of whether they're a CM agent or a CM at risk. They need to evaluate the bonds that are provided to them on that project. So if they're a CM agent, it may be a, a multi-prime arrangement, and they may be uh, involved in evaluating the bonds that are proffered for each of the prime trade contractors. And they need to be able to understand, uh, one, that you know that bond needs to be from a regulated surety company. And, you know, they can find out that information easily. First of all, they can consult the state insurance department where the project is located to find out what surety companies are authorized to write in that jurisdiction. They can also call the surety company directly and, you know, affirm that that was actually a validly issued bond. And of course, if they have a relationship with their own bond producer, they can obtain uh, reputational information from that bond producer about that particular surety who's underwritten that bond. So that's important if they're in that arrangement. And as a CM at risk, they may decide to bond certain key trade contractors, subcontractors to them. And again, they need to evaluate the efficacy of the bonds that are being proffered to them. Nick, what would somebody want to do if there was a claim that they had to make on a surety bond? 
Yeah. You know, even though we underwrite to a zero loss ratio, you know, claims do happen. Disputes occur. Things don't work out the way they're planned. You know, I take calls, you know, a lot of, a lot of bond forms, the attorney, in fact, the bond producer that's signing have the contact information is there. And when I take a call and someone indicates they think they, they need to make a claim against the bond, I tell them that they need to put it in writing. I give them the information that they can reference in the letter, the name of the surety, the bond number, make sure they, they list the project, and then just include all the details to support their claim. If it's somebody, a lot of times it's, it's a sub or a supplier that hasn't been paid. And so they need to provide the documentation of you know, the, the work invoices or the pay applications. And then I invite them to send everything to me to the surety, but to my attention. And then I will send it immediately to the surety company and let them know that the process is upon receipt, the surety will issue an acknowledgement letter to the claimant stating that they have received it and they have begun their investigation. The sureties are all, like Mark mentioned, regulated by state insurance departments. And part of that regulation uh, involves how claims are being handled. So the surety industry does its best to expeditiously handle these things. But given the fact that the surety stands legally in the same shoes as the contractor that they're bonding, they have a duty to defend that contractor as well. And so they have a duty to handle claims. They also have a duty to the contractor they're bonding to make sure that the claim is legitimate under the bonded agreement. And so sometimes these things do take a little bit of time, but you know, I still believe that the best way to approach it is make your initial contact with who signed that bond. You know, surety bond producers, we uh, sign a, a code of ethics every year as well. And part of that is to make sure that we represent the industry properly, even in a claim instance. So I like to be that first point of contact to make sure that the claimant is being taken care of. And to add to Nick's comments, you know, he's saying how important the investigation is. And that's absolutely right. So the surety has to investigate to decide whether the claim is, is proper and, and what options they need to take to remedy any kind of default. So the person making the claim and actually the principal itself, you know, one of the key things that they can do besides having that high level of communication is to cooperate with any requests for information. And that's going to get that claim handled much, much more expeditiously uh, as opposed to kind of laying back and, and just not providing information. So be a key part to that uh, by providing information as, as requested. So if someone's in, in need of contacting a surety bond producer, Mark, can you tell everyone where they can go to find someone in their area? Absolutely. Um, there are a couple of different ways to go about it. NESPP actually does have a directory we call it the Surety Pro Locator. And you can go by state and identify NESPP members in that state um, and then contact them. Also, another great way for a construction business interested in establishing surety credit is just being active in their own trade associations. So whether that is with CMAA or uh, AGC of America, or if they're a subcontractor, American Subcontractors Association, bond producers are invariably part of those communities. They want to understand the market, want to know who's in that. And so that's an excellent way to meet uh, bond producers as well. 
And last but not least, Mark, can you tell us the best way for our construction managers to learn more about charity? Absolutely. We barely touched on all the resources out there. NESPP.org has a number of resources out there. We actually have a a website called uh, Be Guaranteed to Succeed. It's part of an outreach that we were making to the construction community about the importance of what I call surety stories. There's a lot of good information on that. So if you Google Be Guaranteed to Succeed, you'll see it. Components of that include actually videos of surety stories from different perspectives, from a lender, an owner, contractor, a CPA who's involved. And so there's a lot of good information there. One of the things I didn't want to forget here that didn't come out yet is we talked about performance bonds and payment bonds. But one of the critical importance of a payment bond, why it exists, particularly on public uh, works, is that in a public environment, there are no lien rights. So those downstream parties, the subcontractors and suppliers, if they don't get paid, their one remedy is that payment bond if if it's in place. Payment bonds are also critically important on private work because the existence of that payment bond can make sure then uh, no liens are applied against that property because there's another means for the subs and suppliers to get paid. So I didn't want to lose that thought uh, before we ended today. Just to echo what Mark said, there are a ton of educational resources available on NESPP.org. And we offer online learning opportunities as well, Surety Learn, for contractors and, and those in the construction industry. Mark and Nick, it's been a pleasure speaking with you and thank you for spending some time with us today. I know I learned a lot about the business of Surety Bonds and I'm sure the listeners did as well. For more information about NASBP, you can check out their own podcast, Let's Get Charity, or again, you can visit www.nasbp.org. Coming up on episode 11, we'll sit down with our friends at the Royal Institution of Chartered Surveyors to discuss their findings in their 2022 report on digitalization in construction. Make sure to download or subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media at CMAA underscore HQ. On behalf of CMAA, I'm Nick Soto with Carly Trout. Thank you for listening.